Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Universally, every agency, uh, every contractor, whether it's a marketing agency or a plumber or even a nail salon on the bride's wedding day, it's, they're selling the same thing, calm and control back to the client. It's like they have a huge anxiety. They just want to get their life back in control. That's all you really need to deliver. And they want you to just take care of it for them because they have no idea how to deal with it. They're overwhelmed, right? And so the opportunity for any agency is to be that person, the reliable person who's not giving them a hard time, will take care of things, get things done, you know, do it in a pleasant way. Because don't forget, you know, every entrepreneur knows your employees always want to do less for more money. Your customers always want to pay you less money for more things. Your investors always want you to just deliver more revenue. You're squeezed by all places. Your contractor is the only people who just universally just 100% focused on your on you. And so if you can be that person and take care of things, you know, they're never going to get rid of you. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Sunia Shah, who's the founder and CEO of AppBind, which lets digital agencies manage subscriptions to software and ads for the clients without getting stuck in the middle of the billing. Sunia formerly ran partnerships at FreshBooks, marketing at Olak Live Chat, and founded the Cloud Software Association, the 4,000-plus SaaS partnership network. AppBind helps digital agencies deliver projects faster by taking care of their clients' entire marketing system. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, the InnovaBuzz podcast, go to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel, where you can access a free gift that my team and I made for you. It's a short audio book that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. In our conversation today, Sunia talked to me about creating a solution by building a system. We talked about making things easy for our customers. And we talked about how the subscription economy helps businesses grow sustainably. Without further ado, then let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Sunia Shah. Hi, 
I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Toronto in Canada, Sunia Shah, who's the founder and CEO of AppBind. AppBind is a platform which lets digital agencies manage subscriptions to software and ads for their clients without getting stuck in the middle of the billing. So really fascinating, um, fascinating product, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you today, Sunil, welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast. It's a great. Well, thanks for having me. Here. Uh, we're just saying. Last time I talked to you in the prep interview, I was freezing on an ice rink, taking <laughs> my kid to hockey while you were on literally on fire, I think, in Australia. Yeah, that's right. It was yeah. quite hot. Yeah, as uh, as Canadians and Australians are basically kissing cousins, this would be a, hopefully a fun interview. Uh, we can all be sal- full, full sad for the Queen though, because she's sick, and we'll do that together. Yeah, that's right. Well, hopefully she'll be better soon. It's um, it's something that many people have gone through, so hopefully she'll come through it uh, unscathed and fighting fit again. Anyway, AppBind is, is your answer to fundamental challenges that have blocked service companies from really providing complete solutions to their customers, and, and I'm really looking forward to digging into that, and particularly your journey, how, do you, how you came to that solution, and then um, some of the challenges that you've had growing the company. Before we do that, what, what's the impact you're making in the world today, Sunia? Well, on like the Tuesday afternoon issue, like what I'm solving like immediately uh, is for marketing agencies, mostly digital agencies, consultants, and you know there could be automation agencies, MSPs in there, but mostly these agencies are small businesses. Uh, they're all digital now; everything's subscription based. If you can't get the digital under control, you can't get your agency under control and you know so many of them are back on the treadmill of hell of selling labor for money which is not a sustainable way to build a business you have to build a product of some kind i don't mean necessarily software you can productize your services you need to find something repeatable and scalable otherwise every day your business starts from zero you know and it it, it, i've seen it for you know i don't know how many years i started the marketing team at freshbooks um, you know, which is invoicing for these agencies and consultants in 2007. So I've talked to 5,000 of these uh, agencies. It, it has been a real market change, the subscription economy on their business. It's been much harder to grow. That's kind of the biggest thing I'm doing right now. But in general, like, what's my vision? I like my actual career objective is to make the internet a more glorious place. I'm sorry for. <laughs> I'm sorry for if you're if you're too much on Twitter right now, but mostly what I'm working on right now is uh, is trying to figure out how to grow the economy of subscription software because that's what we're going to be using for the next ten years, so that every small business, every large business, can have access to the best technology uh, by building a market for cloud software distribution, and that's actually a really big and interesting challenge. I've been working on it for ten years. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating. The, the whole idea of the subscription economy, I mean, I, it's probably been about four or five years that I've been exposed to it with people talking about it and the idea of taking a service that might be a once-off service, so solving this particular problem, but turning that into a product which essentially is a subscription service. So we'll, we'll take care of that for you all the time. So let's take it as an example, say, um, content production producing content like a podcast or like videos yeah. or like writing blog posts, which is really important to have content as a presence on the internet. And you can say, well, I'll do that for you 
I'll write two articles for you and then that's done and then you need to go and find another customer to write some more articles to sustain your income. Or you can say, well, we'll produce all your content for the next 12 months and here's the monthly fee for that service. But the advantage of going to subscription, even content, is that you go from being a stringer where you're just producing like if your words like a thousand words or mm. pod, one podcast episode, that's not hitting any objectives. When you go to subscriptions, you're no longer thinking about the treadmill of what labor you're doing for them. Yeah. You can start owning the overall goal. Like what's the point of having a podcast? Mm. Anyway, there's a lot of podcasts. Like it doesn't, you know, it's not gonna change the world having a podcast. Like who's like even, you know, no matter how interesting we are, we are, we're not going to end up buying bought by Spotify for you know a hundred million dollars, right? Yeah. What's the point of it? We're trying to build a community around ourselves, build relationships, you know, get our message out, meet new people, right? And so, for a podcast agency, let's just say, you know, it's not about producing you know one podcast a week, like that's a tactical thing. It's about mm. owning the objective. That's a subscription. Like, what is your goal with the podcast? Well, I want to meet. We have a podcast. I want to meet as many uh, marketing agencies as possible. That's mm. what I'm working on with Agency, agency Connect and talk about the difficulty of actually managing digital. You know, so you get your agency under control. You know, that's an interesting conversation for me. But and then I get to spread the word of App Brian and meet more people, and they can own that relationship. And then, of course, if you own that objective, and if you own that objective, then you realize there's actually a lot more you can do mm. than just like video editing and audio editing. And it's like, oh, then I can do the placements. Yes, you can do the relationships. Yes, I can do the follow up. Yes, I can start building lists. Yes, I can start. Maybe there's a community you can build around your podcast. Which certainly, why not? I mean, the podcast is really, really should be a, a forum, in my view, a forum for the whole community to come yeah. and talk and have conversations with itself. And so you should be building community around it. And then suddenly you own something much more substantial with more interesting work and it's higher value. And of course, for an agency, for an agency that means you could end up in a more lucrative, sustainable position rather than just putting out, you know, you know, a $50 audio editing. No, that's right. That's yeah. nothing. And, and it's like a lot more fun too because now, yes. now you're kind of almost part of the business. <laughs> well, it's not the whole point. Like, yeah. like I mean, for me, the, the glory of work, I mean, yeah, I can talk about all the like building, designing, laying up pixels and the computer science behind it. But the only reason I do anything is because when I have a customer going, oh, wow, you changed everything for me. Mm. You know, you made things possible. That's what I get off on. That's how I used to be a developer. I mean, I used to be in the dark room, you know, head down, type faster. Yeah. And then I just kept wheedling my way closer to the customer until they finally said, "Sir, why don't you come over to sales and marketing?" And uh, you know, I took I took the the wrong uh, wrong potion. I ended up in the wrong room for too long, and here I am in marketing. I mean, that's a series of unfortunate life decisions, perhaps, but. You know, I think it's more fun to be with customers, yeah. uh, for me anyway, uh, than with the keyboard. Um, so, you know, what, what's business for? It's for serving other people. That's why. Mm. Yeah, it's a really great point. Now, in terms of taking that approach then to that subscription model and that kind of complete service package to be part of the customer's success and part of their long-term strategy and then delivering tactical outcomes as part of that objective what, what are some of the big challenges that AppBind addresses in in that big picture well let me give you an analogy that i think because it's been even so many like, decades now two decades in the subscription economy i find a lot of people have forgotten what contracting is like and i can tell you some stories uh maybe i will uh mm. if you ask me about 
where I learned this because I, I got fired by a client. As a, uh, in fact, most of the story comes from him yelling yeah. at me. Uh, actually, I'll tell you this story. So I was yeah, working well, with a fashion fascinating story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was working with a, I was subcontracting. I was doing the analytics on an e-commerce site for someone who was making clothes. He was a tailor, a fashion. He was building a, a brand of clothes. And he was building a bricks and mortar store at the same time. So And it was like six weeks, six weeks to launch. And he was like a go-getter, right? And I wanted analytics software. I didn't want to pay for any of this stuff, like amplitude, branch, segment, talk desk for the phone number. It was very expensive. That's all his data. And like a typical you know, agency, I didn't want to buy it. So, of course, every Monday I said, okay, you need to sign up for these things. And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. Of course, he never did it. Yeah. He's making clothes and he's making a store. These are obviously his priorities. The computer science nerd, you know, that he wants all this stuff, A-B split testing and Bayesian analysis, he didn't really understand any of that. That's my problem. Okay. So, three days from launch, 72 hours from launch, he notices there's still no phone number up on the website. And it's like, Sneer, what's the deal? Because the whole time, you know, we've been having, a, we actually had a great report because I was the other basically adult on the deal, coaching him through all the launch, like all the project management and all this stuff. Because that's all I could do is like, I couldn't do any work. So I was just hanging out with him, you know, at the executive level. And he's like, why is it, but you haven't done any work. I was like, oh yeah, well, you didn't sign up for anything. <laughs> that's, that's your fault. So I said to the client, <laughs> oh, that duck over a while. He's like, okay, get me on a, let's get on a call. Like a, show me like on a video call, uh, show me what to do. And in an hour of his remaining 72 hours, I made him like a child, click here. Click here to invite me. Put your email in. Put your oh, put your credit card in. It was awful, you know, because you know, getting a client to click on things is like the most infant. Just treating like an infant. It's very very poor client management. Anyway, he had he, he had it with me. He said, "Senior, my plumber doesn't make me buy my own pipes. I expect you to take care of this for me. Working with you is ten times harder than not working with you. Take just get it done." He's like, "Yep, absolutely." I bought the remaining subscriptions on my card. Uh, I canceled my card immediately because I didn't want to get renewed. Yeah. Uh, deliver, did an all-nighter, delivered it, and then he fired me, of course. Uh, and I asked him, you know, a month later. Uh, we, we didn't have, he wasn't, he was mad at me at the time, but we had a good rapport. And I said, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, I have this idea. For Appline, could I interview you as an exit interview, exit interview to find out what, what happened? And he said, as you know, as a client, what was your experience? Yeah, so you, know, you wasted my time, confused me, slowed down the project, slowed down the project for everyone else in the you know, you also had to do an all-nighter. I don't even know how anyone can run a business and you can't control your own time. You know, that's ridiculous. You know, I understand. You said, I understand the subscription thing, but I also don't get it. Like I said, my plumber doesn't... I, I, normal contractors like my plumber would just take care of it for me. Hmm. And that's what I expect you to do. And I said, okay, that's all true. I understand all that. That's why I want to do this thing called AppLine. So when did you decide to fire me? And this is... <laughs> It still hurts to say this. He said, Sunir, the first call. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> the first call? What? He's like, yeah. Thinking back on it, it was the first project meeting we had, like six weeks, right at the beginning, the kickoff call. And I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I wasn't mad at you then, but you immediately started putting to-dos back on my plate that I expect you to take care of. I knew in my head, uh, I didn't have time to deal with this because I was busy launching everything. I knew after the launch, I'm going to have to hire someone in-house to take care of this for me. I thought you'd do, be able to do it, but obviously there are things that you can't do, so I had to hire some staff. I knew that. So that's basically what it was. It was a bit disappointing because you were my, you know, you clearly know what you're doing. You were going to be my guy, conversion rate optimization, analytics, ads. You would just take me a whole path. And honestly, if I had done that, I wouldn't have an agency. I wouldn't have AppBind. Yeah, but you, you had to hire in-house staff. I've heard that story so many times. Mm. Uh, but this plumber thing you mentioned, you know, I was like, tell me, tell me again about that plumber. Yeah, he just, I just expect, they, they just, he just took care of it for me. He's like, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, normal plumbers, your basement is leaking. 
right? You call a plumber, right? They're not going to ask you to evaluate, you know, which sump pump, you know, fits with you. We'd like to talk to enterprise sales from a sump pump manufacturer. Like that would, you know, like, would you like HubSpot or Salesforce though? Is that's what we do to our clients, right? And you know, we like to talk to them. Like, no, I don't care. Just make it something happen now. You know, if your marketing funnel is leaking, just take care of it for me. Most average customers, uh, they just want you to just take care of it. And the reason why is by the time they talk to a contractor, I've interviewed lots of clients since then, is like what happens is uh, they've already failed internally. They're already behind schedule. They, they, their organization does not have the capacity, capability, or trust, or whatever reason. It, it just can't deliver the result. They had to go outside the organization to hire you. That's already quite stressful because their existing staff are quite annoyed, uh, usually, about this. Uh, and they're behind schedule, and they're always already feeling competent as an entrepreneur, right? Because they couldn't achieve it. Mm. So they come to you. Their anxiety level is through the roof, right? And uh, universally, every agency, uh, every contractor, whether it's a marketing agency or a plumber, or even a nail salon on the bride's wedding day, it's, they're selling the same thing. Calm and control back to the client. It's like they have a huge anxiety. They just want to get their life back in control. That's all you really need to deliver. And they want you to just take care of it for them because they have no idea how to deal with it. They're overwhelmed, right? And so the opportunity for any agency is to be that person, the reliable person who's not giving them a hard time, is, will take care of things, get things done, you know, do it in a pleasant way. Because don't forget, you know, every entrepreneur knows your employees always want to do less for more money. Your customers always want to pay you less money for more things. Your investors always want you to just deliver more revenue. You're squeezed by all places. Your contractor is the only people who just universally just 100% focused on, your, on you. And so if you can be that person and take care of things, you know, they're never going to get rid of you. And, you know, that's how it used to be before subscriptions. When I was younger, we used to, I worked for a Microsoft system integrator. You know, we'd always have three-year contracts. My president of the, that consultancy said to me, Sarah, we never do a project unless we're building a system that we get to maintain. The, late, the, the work that you're doing right now is just the hello, right? But what we really want is the relationship with the customer as their, as their partners to build out the system and maintain it. Because if you maintain a system for three years, then you're going to upgrade it and change it and modify it, and you have a 10-year client, mm. right? And from, from their point of view, the system is you, right? And that's really true. Like, that's how they think. You know, and, you know, I think... A lot of agencies are, who do content, you know, they're writing posts, right? That's just yeah. the treadmill of labor. You're just selling human labor. Right. Mm. But, but you should be building a system. Like, they don't, clients don't care about the content. What they want is the content to deliver the results. So if you're doing content, you should be posting it, doing the SEO, doing the promotion side of it, doing the relationship work, the guest blogging, uh, the podcast, like guest podcasting. You should be building assets. You should be turning ebooks, building lead, like building lead magnets, getting the, the, the marketing funnel and lead capture. You know, this is what content is for. You can own all of that if you're willing to become not just a marketing agency, but a marketing tech agency. Mm. And the, the stickiness and value is so much higher. Customers will never get rid of you. If you Absolutely, do that. yeah. So, it, it, I mean, the first step, I think, from what I'm hearing is, is to change the mindset from the agency. Like, as agency owners, we need to change our mindset to let's serve the customer and help them achieve their objective, which generally can be kind of summed up as get more business. And if you then chunk it down one level and say, well, how do we get more business there? Um, and where do we fit in? How can we do that? And then pull it all together by um, being the plumber, basically going in, oh, okay, that's what needs to be done. I'll take care of everything. You know, it's actually interesting you say it that way, get more business. Because I was thinking about 
I was prepping for this in my head. And one of the things we're talking about for is like how we position AppBind and thinking about this anxiety issue of my clients. Uh, and so for before I was AppBind, I was at CMO at Olark Live Chat and then, uh, and then I, I quit with my third child and wanted to have some pat leave and was consulting. I was doing more this time, this part of my career when I was consulting because I've been in and out of software companies and consulting back and forth my whole career. So I've seen both sides. And at this time, I was, I was more of an executive uh, consultant. So the CEOs were my clients. And uh, universally, when the CEOs hired me, they had no idea what was going on in their business anymore because they had spent so much time building the company. It's not like they didn't know anything. I don't want to be, I want to be careful. It's that they had been so distant from being in the customer development phase of the company because they had built it. They, you know, when you're CEO, problems change as your company grows. So they're focusing on internal matters, fundraising, hiring, you know, other things that are not market facing. And then what happens is they set the annual corporate goal. It's always more revenue. That's all, all, all my clients. The goal was more revenue, build, or as you said, build the business. And I said to them, if you ever, you ever take a driving test, like lessons, you know, wherever you look is where you're going to drive. And if you look at your bank account, because that's what you're looking at, you know, that's where you're looking for money. The problem is your bank account already has all your money. It doesn't have any more money. It's already yours. Mm. And so if you're only looking at your bank account, more revenue, you're never going to find more revenue, right? A, a corporate goal has to be market-facing, right? It has to be from the client customer's point of view. You have to be making a change in the market outside of you, right? If you want to generate revenue. Mm. There are other goals like, I guess, real, you know, compliance, resilience, whatever, robustness, if you want to improve internal operations. But if you want to be revenue generating, the revenue comes from the market. Your goals have to be for the market. Mm. And so if you're building, you know, what I would say as an agency, yeah, you're, every, every contractor is taking care of their customer, bringing them uh, calm and control. That's, that is fundamental to contracting. That's been since the age of the pyramids. That's how contracting works. Mm. Okay. So, but what is it that your clients are freaking out about that you can repeatably solve and only know, you know, your clients. So if you're a podcast, you know, I'm, you know, I'm worried about building a podcast that's sustainable because it's time consuming. Mm. That's one thing. I'm also worried about getting an audience because actually podcast audience building is very difficult, you know, because most podcasts, you know, are, are very difficult to listen to. I hope this is entertaining. Right, but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. you want to you want to be a little bit more interesting, uh, and then you want to then use the podcast, presumably in a B two B context, for sales, building relationships. Right, those are things that they care about in your in the podcast agency mm. world. So then, are you really building business, building your business? You can only build your business by building your client's business. You have to take that one step outside your comfort zone and try to flip the script and say, what is your client freaking out about? You know? and, and I will say it's actually surprisingly very few agencies have an answer to this. I do ask this question every time I do an Agency Connect podcast now. I'm actually amazed how many people don't have an answer to this question. It's mm. interesting to me. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty that's, normal, but you need an fascinating. answer. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and we do this exercise um, to really get clear on ideal client or dream client, we call them. And in that exercise, we certainly focus on what are the big problems, what are the issues, and what are they looking to change, what's the transformation they, they want to have. And certainly you touched on one of them there that, that really is a category of that. It's what are they freaking out about and, and where's uh, and in the case of podcasts, and I'm sure this is true of 
many things, it's we don't have time to do that. So. Then the question then, you know, you can keep going, you know, the six levels of why. So like mm. why you don't have time to do it, but why are you building a podcast? And why, why, why? Like why even have a podcast then? You know, if you don't have time. There must be a reason they want one. Yeah. But why? And then why is that? And then why is that? There, there's some underlying goal. Mm. It could be ego, which would be the worst reason to have a podcast. But probably they're <laughs> probably they, you know it's a very good marketing channel. It is right. Yeah. And so, like, what is the goal here? And then who's your who's your actual audience that you want to cultivate? You know, and yeah. there's and an audience is the weakest form of audience is because it it's 2022. Yeah. Community, is community. The, That's right. That you mm. want to get to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You want to have a multi. You want to have a multi-way conversation. Yeah, so that then brings us back to kind of the plumber analogy where we say, okay, well, you have to go buy these pipes and you have to go buy these these pumps and, and so on. So if you look at, say, a podcast or a website might be another um, system that, that people would be really familiar with. We say, well, you've got to have somewhere to host your podcast audio. You've got to have somewhere to host your video if you're doing video. You've got to have um, a system that you can bring your community in to have the conversations, a platform. You've got to have um, you've got to have something that you can distribute that. You've got to have editing software for the audio. You've got to have editing software for the video. So here's half a dozen places where I want you to go and sign up and and make accounts so that we can do all these things. So this that remember they don't have time in the first place. So yeah, then yeah. Immediately they're like, yeah. it's exhausting. Like they, they don't know what to do. Right. And it's so unprofessional, right? To like, they're already confused. They already feel terrible. Right. And like, make them feel worse. Like, the, the, the clients will fire you the moment you make them more anxious. Right. Yeah. So, the moment you put stuff back on their plate, you know, you're risking them feeling uh, increased anxiety working with you. And the moment their anxiety goes up, they're fired. Because I've learned this. I've asked, I've, I've asked so many people. I have another story, actually, of a client from not, not me. Was a, um, that's also good to give you an example. Of this is great. So if I was when I was at Olark Live Chat, I was at Magento Imagine, this e-commerce platform, shopping cart. It's like similar to Shopify but open source, and they have a huge community. And there was a there was a guy there who was a thousand years old. It was very important to understand. Was like, <laughs> so he owned a chocolate factory in the, in New England, somewhere. Okay, and he, he I just sat down with lunch with him, and he opened with I I I don't want to be here. I hate I hate it here. Keep in mind it was Vegas and it was forty five degrees Celsius. Okay, yeah. and I was like. And he was wearing a suit because he's like a thousand years old. He was like boiling. So I'm like, why are you here? Listen, I don't want to be here. I hired these whiz kids from Manhattan, hmm. right, to build my e-commerce website. And I, I, I knew it was whiz kids. I knew who he was talking about. I was like, okay, yeah. But did they do anything for me? And I said, I, I assume so. And then this, then he conversation stopped because he had to pick up a phone. Because at the simultaneously he was at lunch, he was dealing with a trucking union issue. Okay, because uh, that's what he's a, he's a CEO of a chocolate factory. That's real. That's his problem. He's like dealing with actual issues. It's like okay, so he gets off the phone. Continue, like continues. Yeah, they didn't do anything for me. I was like, oh, what? Okay, yes. What are you talking about? Well, they made me. You know, I got into, like, basically they made him sign up for everything. He was confused. He didn't owe anything about websites. He didn't mm. care. He just knows he needs an e-commerce site because he's a chocolate factory. Okay. So then, then he say, he, then he says, well, I went to the IT guy. He didn't know anything about this, and I didn't have a marketer, so I ended up having to hire these college kids from New England. And he's like, okay. And he said, like, do you think I got the best people? And because they were here with him in Vegas, because right. I think they're with him at the table. <laughs> like, they were, well, they were at the table. So I was like, I didn't know. I was like, like I assumed that they were right there next to him. So I said, uh, yes. <laughs> and he's like, no. 
No. No. I didn't get the best people. Are you kidding me? It's a community college in New England. These are whiz kids in Manhattan. These whiz kids are obviously the best. I only hired the best. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. You just insulted your own staff. But listen. You know, I love my kids because he's a thousand years old. You know. Who do you think I saw at the Christmas party every year? Uh, your kids? Yes, I saw them. And, you know, I care about them. I'm willing to invest in them. You know, I didn't see the whiz kids. So who do you think I fired? The whiz kids? That's right. I fired them. And then he gets on the phone again. Because now he's dealing with, like, an auto mechanic issue. You know, because he's like, just take care of it. That's what we hear. I remember him telling that. Hangs up. It's like, so this is what the issue. Uh, you know, I need someone to take care of this for me. You know, they were ve are very hungry. You know, I care about them. They're obviously a young kids. I came to Vegas to make sure they're okay because he's a thousand years old. He thinks they're in trouble in Vegas. But he's, I'm, I hate being here, but I care about my kids. I'm bringing them here, right? And I was like, uh, okay, you hired internal staff that were not the best, right? But you had to do that because you can't handle it yourself. The agency made you do the work that you didn't want to do. So for your point of view, it's better to have internal staff that are not the greatest and have them learn from the agency and then fire the agency. He's like, yeah, you got it. That's basically how it goes. You know, I've never seen anything like this, but it seems to be what you tech guys are into. It's like, okay. And he's like, okay. Uh, you know, for me, that was the first time I'd heard someone explain this story, and then having experienced it myself later on, it really put it together. Like, this is not an uncommon scenario. Uh, is you know, I, when I was at FreshBooks, we had um, benchmarks, you know, between subscription and license software. It was 2007 to 12. I was there. I could see that it was true. Everyone around licensed software had like three-year engagements and large service revenue contracts. Agencies around the subscription era had less service revenue and, and shorter client engagements. And I, you know, I never really understood it until I had that conversation with this guy from the chocolate factory. Mm. Is that, you know, as much as you want to hire the whiz kids, the smart agency, the moment they throw work back to you, you're going to have to hire somebody eventually to take over because you don't have the wherewithal. You don't have time for this. Right. And that's what we're always doing. We're always firing ourselves as agency, as agencies. We're always firing ourselves from the client by saying, no, I can't take care of it for you. Right. Mm. Um, that is, that is yeah. really the, the question I give to every agency. Are you saying no mm. when you shouldn't be? You should be saying yes. So coming back to some of the problems we talked about or some of the possible scenarios that, that happen where we ask clients to, hey, sign up for this service because you're going to need that to do X and sign up for this one because you're going to need that to do Y. Um, how does AppBind actually work to kind of take that off the client's plate and enable the agency to do everything for them? Yeah, it's very actually simple, a very clever solution. I like to pat myself on the back because, you know, I, <laughs> I spent half a million dollars in today's money at FreshBooks trying to build like a, like a reseller portal for FreshBooks for our reseller channel. What we call them resellers because we're software companies and arrogant that way. Uh, what I realized is, is first, you're not a reseller as an agency. You're not selling someone else's software. You're selling yourself and you're, you're a solution partner. You're creating mm -hmm. a solution, which is a system uh, of technology because that's your product. You're building a system out of other components like a plumber, pipes, and mm. valves. And then the second, like what is a subscription? So it's an email and credit card, really. So what we do, AppBind does is allows you to create a shared virtual email and a shared virtual credit card that allows you to sign up on behalf of a client for anything. Uh, and what it will do is it will forward the emails to you so you can manage the account and forwards them to the client so they own the account. And the credit card tracks all the charges automatically so that you don't have to do bookkeeping. And we automatically build the client. 
And the way we do that is actually we set up a subscription budget so that they provide you basically an expense, expense account. They pre-fund you. And then you always have money on hand to go buy their subscriptions. And it just automatically tops itself back up. Kind of like if you've ever been to Starbucks or a Subway or a tap cart. Once it goes below a threshold, it tops itself back up. So there's always money sitting there rotating, ro uh, rolling through. And you can buy their subscriptions. But the advantage of doing it this way, like I said, is once you get permission... And the whole point about AppLine is about providing a transparent, trustworthy way to your client to say, I'll take care of it with, for you. Everything I build for you, uh, you know, you'll own, you should own and control because it's your business and your data. I'm going to use a subscription manager so everything's organized in one place. Then you can start building systems out. Every subscription, everything you need. You know, you're not just limited to Facebook ads and HubSpot or, or uh, Riverside and good luck. You know, you know, that's... You know, you can start building out the website, the email capture, the content, the online community. You can buy a Slack account. You know, you can start doing more and more, answering more and more problems, right? And that system that you're building out is all inside AppMind, you know, of all the subscriptions. And that becomes really compelling to the for you and the client because you've, you've taken on this complexity and you've brought in more tools as leverage, right, so that you can deliver more value. And then, of course, then the retainers around it uh, can increase. And then the you have a sustainable advantage uh, with the client and a reason to keep talking to them month after month because you're building with them, building with them, which is something quite different than yeah. working for them, for them. right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So how does, how does the uh, collection of revenue and management of the revenue work then? So the agency builds the client one bill and then part of that money goes to the AppBind account for these purchases and the rest is the, the fee for the agency does that help yeah so there's three ways to make money uh so by the way AppBind, we just charge one percent of the money flowing through us mm. and of course if you load clients loading money by credit card there's the strike fees that go along with that so that's the fees for app buying so you know if you're doing two thousand dollars a month we charge two twenty dollars a month which should be less than your bookkeeping it's a bookkeeping charge mm. should be less than your bookkeeping costs if you're doing it by hand so that's us. That's our fees. But here's how you make money. So the client, uh, they we set up this this subscription budget for the app expenses. So it's always topping itself up. So you always know there's money there for recurring charges. Uh, with AppBind, you can also add a markup on the subscriptions. Typically, it's 10 to 20% just for your own bookkeeping and management. Ads are 25% typically. We'll automatically calculate all of that for you. Uh, we are also just adding now. So by the time this actually comes out, presumably... Uh, service revenue will be in there, so you can add your retainers. So either a one-time setup fee or a monthly retainer inside the same subscription. Uh, we have created something called a subscription order, which is like a purchase order for the whole project. So you can add your own, yourself to that subscription order plus all the, the apps. And then the third way to make money, uh, which is underappreciated, which another Australian told me this, uh, Scott Jellity from IT Gen Genius. Uh, I, he, I was like, oh, commissions don't matter. Commissions don't matter. Hmm. Actually, he said, no, they do. Because there's sustainable recurring revenue. And his multiple when he sold his agency, IT Genius, on the uh, commission revenue was significantly higher than the service revenue to clients. So you should absolutely take also, a lot of partners have commission programs. Almost all of them are referral-based, uh, which is awful because you end up with this kind of love triangle. on like Who puts referral links in front of clients? That's obviously... Mm deeply unprofessional but with AppBind, you're signing up actually right yeah. so that you can click you can get your own use your own referral link sign up tag the account and yes take the commission money actually more valuable than that as well 
is that I know all these SaaS vendors. I run their trade association of all the SaaS partnership people. They they look they rely on these referral programs to find the agencies that have a lot of clients. Mm-hmm. So when they have a customer looking for an agency, they use the referral program to find them. What will happen as you build relationships with the vendors, they will start uh, you will start getting client referrals from them, right? Especially if you work on it. And that will change your agency completely, right? Because you will have uh, now a sustainable source of clients. So the partner programs are also the third uh, often missed but very important part of your agency's revenue growth strategy with that point. Mm. Yeah, that's a really neat model. I, I really like that. And um, I have started exploring it. I'm going to have to dig a lot deeper into that because I can see the possibilities there to really transform how you work with clients and how you can help them and, and what that opens up in terms of the possibilities to, of taking on a lot more work for the client, making the client's life easier and, as you say, kind of making them feel a lot happier rather than stressing them out. Well, I'm happy to have you as a customer. So. <laughs> All right. Um, well, this is fabulous. I think we've uh, we've really covered a lot of ground already and, and I love the stories of how you recognize the problem and how you kind of used your technical skills to develop something that addresses it. I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's the same five questions we ask of every guest. And the idea, of course, is to give some fantastic insights and action points that the listener can implement right away. All right, I'm ready. Great. All right. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Uh, get yourself into trouble. So when I, it, the I our strategy, that. our design strategy at AppBind is to make a glorious mess and then have people complain and fix it. So, I mean, we don't make a terrible mess. But even with AppBind's positioning, original message to agencies, which is a stupid message, I know, but SaaS companies use it all the time, and we want to know what was wrong with it, was buy software and sell it to your clients, which I know is stupid. But I put it out there, and then I went to a, like, I had a cocktail party with agencies called Agency Connect Cocktails, and I, which I run. And I just got, I just cornered some of my friends. It's like, what is wrong with this? And then they were like, they got so mad at me because it was such a terrible message. And he's like, I don't want to be in the middle of billing, Sunir. It's like, thank you so much for yeah. explaining it to me. You know, the, both, the best way to be innovative is to assume you are a dummy dum dum uh, and don't know anything and then get your friends or whomever to like say the wrong thing and be brave enough to have them tell you to your face how dumb you are because that's the only way to learn <laughs> uh, instead of assuming that you have to be the expert. Yeah. Set ego Especially aside and listen. Yeah. And the only way to innovate is to try something new which is to mm. assume that you don't know the answer, right? So Yeah. So the experiment is important. Great. I love that. Yeah. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? I think you've, you've outlined that in extensively here but maybe you could kind of summarize it as an action step. Yeah, honestly, it's uh, getting yelled at all the time uh, is the way to go. But let me give you another game while we're on this. So on the same vein of being a cocktail party, uh, I, used, I have this game called the Pitch Me Game. So, you know, I have a master's degree in user research and design. So I have, like, really complicated user research methods. They take too long. I don't care. Um, you know, uh, the best way is when we now we're back in person this year, thank God. Uh, go to a party. You know how it is. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Okay, mm. you do that for the first third of the night. And then uh, what you do is stop answering that question. Because some people at that group now already know the answer to that. Mm. Get them to introduce you to someone else. It's called a pitching game. Mm. And the great thing that will happen 
is because it's a party, they're going to want to do the best pitch for you, presumably, if you're a nice person, right? And so they will pitch you in the best possible way. And the key, what I learned is uh, when they do that, number one, first, no one can understand anyone else's pitch except from the concepts already in their own mind. That's actually a fundamental theory of human behavior. They can only understand things from things they already understand, right? So whatever your message is to the market can only be constructed from ideas already in the market. That's fundamental positioning, right? And so uh, whatever they understood is what it is, is what all the market can understand. And second, they're pitching you as best as they can. So it's really what they wanted you to be. be. And if you keep hearing the same thing over and over again at that party from people, because you're going to do it more than than once, that is what your company should be doing, Hmm. period. Whatever you think it is doing, it isn't. And so there's actually really two rules. Shut up and shut up. Because you didn't listen to the first rule. Yeah. <laughs> Just stop talking and listen. This is surprisingly effective. And, uh, you know, honest, the weirdest time I've ever done this was at South by Southwest with Ev Williams, from, who founded Twitter. And this was back when they were doing their Series C funding. And we're just hanging out because, you know, we were one of their examples in their deck. So I was hanging out with him and, uh, you know, we were playing the pitch me game uh, with him about what Twitter is. Little did I know. But it was kind of fun to see what other people would say. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing, you know, mm-hmm. the insights. You, you always think you know the answer, but actually other people have totally different yeah, yeah. perspectives. It's kind of neat. Yeah, and it, it, there's a lot of value in listening to what other how other people see you as well. And, and as you say, there's often that's a much better message. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. What's a favorite resource you use most often, other than AppBind, of course? Well, I have my trade association, which is all my besties. So the Cloud Software Association is 4,000 SaaS partnership leaders. So if you're in the partnership side, uh, come there. Also, a lot of agency leaders there, too, who are trying to work with SaaS companies. So I built that. So that's my resource. <laughs> so that's a bit <laughs> yeah. self-serving. And our conference is coming up April 27, 28th. So should buy a ticket. Uh, but the, um, besides stuff that I control... Uh, actually, you know what? Speaking of podcasts, I like Noah Kagan's podcast quite a lot. He's a friend of mine. Okay, Dorn. Uh, he's also uh, fairly self-aware as being an anxious CEO. Because like, I think a lot of CEOs bluster. And, of course, being a CEO is a, ter- a hair-pulling-out kind of experience. And he talks about that experience. And he talks with other entrepreneurs going through that journey. And I think it's probably the best one of the better podcasts. So mm-hmm. I listen to that one. Okay. All right. Sounds fascinating. I'll have to check that out. I'm not familiar. I, I know he's, I know of Noah, but I haven't uh, listened to his podcast. He's the founder of AppSumo, uh, mm. and he did the start of the marketing at Mint and a bunch of other things. Mm. He's a very interesting person. Yeah. Sure. All right. Great. So, what's the best way to keep a client on track and make things easy for them? I'm, I'm imagining. <laughs> that is a very interesting question. Uh, I have this attitude that you should project manage everybody. Your customer, like your potential sales prospects, your partners, the clients. Actually, the older I get, the harder it is to project manage because I have so much going on. Uh, so I, I'm the worst client ever. That's what I tell every agency. Uh, I want more, better, faster, cheaper yesterday. Uh, that's what I tell them. The best way to keep you on track is keep a very simple project management doc of like whatever your five bullets are. I, a lot of people use Asana, which I, is a mystery to me. ClickUp is a new one. It's also a bunch of screens I don't understand. Personally, just the five bullets of what you're working on right now and meet every week at the beginning of the week. Honestly, the client doesn't care about your details. They just want to know the bullets are getting done. 
I think a lot of people get too much into the weeds because like, they're also getting inclined to do a lot of work. Make it too complicated, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, this agency I, w- I work with every day, Sellworthy. I'm just giving them grief today because I'm the worst client ever, I tell them. like they're, they, I asked them to, you know, can, we have to scrape a site to get some weeds or whatever. And they put it back on me. So I'm like, okay, I'll just go in and start doing it, I guess. Uh, but it was a detail that I wasn't expecting, you know, um, to do. So I was, we were like, it was miscommunication, right? This is a common thing. But if we had the five bullets, you know, every Monday showed up in Slack, mm. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what has to work on. And I can deprioritize something because I can, I can only handle so much cookie. As mm. I, I, have, I have like way too much going on in my life to deal with agency to-dos, right? Like that's your job. To deal yeah. with so five things every Monday, bullet points, by email, Slack, whatever, Google Doc, keep it simple. Assign or click up, I don't care. It's your problem. <laughs> it's one, yeah. one email. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's great advice, from, particularly from the point of view of bringing things into focus. And I, I'm a big fan of this 135 philosophy every day. So I have um, an identified task that must be done today. That's my one. And then there's three. They're the ones I get to next if I finish that one. And then five are kind of like the bonus. You know, if I'm really productive, I might get to some of those fives. And and some of those might migrate to a three or a one the next day. But the, the idea is that you're focused on that one thing that is the most important today. And if that's the only thing you get done, you can still pat yourself on the back and say, yep, I got the most important thing done That uh, that's moved the needle. And compared to a complex project management thing, you might have eight things or nine things listed and you say, oh, that was no good because it'll report back and saying, well, you only did one of the nine. Yeah, you know, actually reflecting back on it, I worked for agencies who sold anxiety. Like they, they tried to make the client more anxious as a way because they try to like make the client feel discombobulated. So they pick up more work because they feel even more confused, but they end up getting fired and, and like the client engagements got shorter. And I talked to I, these were the clients I was talking I interviewed them as well because um, I was subcontracting with them and I was like, what's going on? like i just feel terrible working with you guys and actually this is the thing like you you may be actually have a lot to do and you might want to show the client you're doing a lot of work mm. but they what they really just want to see is common control so yeah 135 is an excellent strategy like this is what we're doing this week these are our priorities and they're getting done mm. One, just bullets i think every client would be much happier just seeing the bullets so they can put this whole problem out of their mind that's actually what they, mm. they want most of them, anyway, like 95% of the time. Hmm. Yeah. All right. What's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Oh, that, that is a that is a that is a paradox of a question because <laughs> if everyone did the same thing, they wouldn't differentiate themselves. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm gonna give a ridiculous answer. So I noticed every organization follows a leader's personality. Uh, I mean, I went to Marshall McLuhan School, so I believe every, everything is an aspect of our internal psyche, right? So every tool is an aspect of our arms. Like the way we, the organization has to be a reflection of how we manage ourselves internally. If you are a better person and are a more honest person with yourself, you will have a better and stronger, more resilient company. You have a better, stronger, resilient customer base. You have a better, stronger, resilient community around you, a better, stronger, resilient family around you. You know, the more you are okay 
with being whatever you are, if you're an anxious person or an erotic person or an excited person or an energetic person or an extroverted person or a caring person, it's okay. You know, you don't have to lie about it. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs bluster their way through things. Mm. And I have come to the point in my life where I'm just going to be me. And, you know, it's, I'm not going to be the most polished CEO, but I am genuinely interested in everybody. And I, therefore, I want to be myself so that we can have a real relationship, you know. And so the most important way to think to differentiate yourself is you're already different. Be yourself. Be, and that's really difficult. Hmm. But you have to, it takes bravery because it's terrifying to be yourself because you're incomplete and imperfect and you never will be complete or perfect. But honestly, that's, it's and that's okay. stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I think you said something there in that that is so important and that's, Building the relationships is kind of the key thing. And if you do the work on yourself to understand who you actually are and what your strengths are, where your shortcomings are, be okay with... I mean, looking to constantly improve, yes, but also be okay with the shortcomings to the point of I'm not going to beat up on myself because I'm an introvert and I find it difficult to go and talk to people at events, for example, in my case. Uh, and yet I, I do things like podcasting and speak to strangers on podcasts. So I'm, I'm working on improving that element. But at the same time, it's not something I pretend to be different. I'm comfortable with where I'm at. And, and so knowing that and being authentic, actually, I find that it helps build relationships with people much more easily than, than trying to follow some recipe that somebody else has put together. Yeah, 100%. Hmm. Stop playing poker with people. Just be <laughs> you. It's not, it's not a game. You know, then you can build bridges. One, wonderful. Love it. This has been fabulous. Sunir, now where can people find out more about you, about AppBind, get in touch to say thanks for what you shared today. and, and maybe Everyone you- should buy AppBind. <laughs> Thousands of it. Uh, <laughs> if you buy nine app lines, the 10th one's free. No, that's not how it works at all. The app line, A-P-P-B-I-N-D.com. So uh, as in Banana India in November, December. Because we're nerds. We're such dorks. Bind is in contract binding is what we called it. Hmm. Such dorks. Anyway, appbind.com. If you're an agency or a consultant and you do want to get to a sustainable path of how do you stop burdening clients and wasting time, you can set up their stack, take care of them without getting in the middle of their financial uh, risk, then use AppBind. And if you're a SaaS vendor trying to work through this channel, come talk to us. We have a solution for you too. I'm on LinkedIn, Sunir Shah, and my email is also Sunir at AppBind, S-U-N-I-R, so September, Uncle, November, India, Romeo, um, at AppBind.com. And the Cloud Software Association as well. So if you are into partnerships, come hang out with us too. We buy drinks. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll... Um... We'll include all those links in the show notes so people can click straight through. Sunir, do you have any parting advice for our listener as we wrap up? More advice? (laughs) More advice. (laughs) Make things easy for the customer. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, I got lots of advice. So I'm actually going, as I'm going through this, I'm actually feeling more and more overwhelmed because I have like all the agency to-dos and project management and how my own project management system has gotten way out of control because I'm way over my skis right now. 
Canadian expression. Uh, the um, it's worth once in a while two things: declaring bankruptcy on email. It was like more than four months old. Just delete it. I use a tool called Maelstrom as well, which is awesome to manage my email because uh, it tells you all like where all the stuff is. But uh, every so often, when you have like a Sunday after an evening to yourself, I'll write everything down on a piece of paper that's in your mind because it takes effort. And then whatever you put down is probably what's bothering you. And then just everything else in your PM you probably get rid of because you know if it's, you didn't write it down, you don't care about it. Mm. So that's what I would say. Use your Sunday evenings to use paper and pen occasionally. Yeah, yeah I love that. And um, since we're on video now, I can I can actually share my beautiful there it is my beautiful collection of Lamy Safari pens, which I love to use. They're all different colors, and and that's what I use them for. Sit down and um, write some things out. Um, Amazing. So great advice. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally, who else should we get on the show, Sunir, and why? Oh my God, you have so many questions. Okay, <laughs> that's the last one. Question eight of the five five buzz round. Um, I mean, Noah's great, obviously. Uh, yeah, uh, Cloda Hagen's actually good. If you want to talk to more agency stuff, hmm. Cloda is, uh, is. She used to be the um, head of uh, HubSpot agency Zemia. And so she now works at the Grow It Group, uh, and she knows a ton about actually how to run an agency. Because I think one thing about being an agency, a lot of people just fall. Well, I don't think I know because I've talked to thousands of them. A lot of people just fall into it because you know whatever reason you sell time for money, mm-hmm. and then you start doing that, and you have no idea how to actually how agencies are properly structured because you never worked for anyone other than yourself, and then you end up in trouble because the treadmill is hell, and you can't get out of it. Uh, you don't know how to productize anything. You don't know how to organize yourself. You don't know how to get your first hire. If you have your first hire, you don't know how to get your second hire. You don't know how to build operations. You don't know how to finance it. What happens if your clients fall apart? They get to lay off people. That's a lot of financial risk. People don't know how to manage it. Cloda doesn't know the answer to this. So I would uh, interview him. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll get an introduction to Cloda, and we might also get an introduction to Noah from you and start some conversations with them to see if we can bring them on the show as well. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today. Um, Sunir, it's been a pleasure to talk about AppBind, to hear the stories that kind of led you to realize that there was a need for a service like this and for agencies to actually take care of their customer and, and make things easier for them rather than keep putting additional tasks on their plate to allow you to do your job. So thanks for that. All the best for the future and let's keep in touch. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that engaging and really informative conversation with Sunia and took something away from his episode. Take a moment now to reflect on your dream customer and your solutions to their dreams, their aspirations and their needs. Do you create solutions for them in a way that builds systems which serve their business in a sustainable way? Is that leading to you being a key partner in their business? If not, what lessons from today's conversation can help you on that journey? Sunia's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Sunia Shah. That is S-U-N-I-R-S-H-A-H, all lowercase, all one word, 
innovabiz.co forward slash Sunia Shah. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Sunia, as well as links to the AppBind website, to Sunia's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. Now, if you've listened this far into the show, then here's a challenge for you. And don't we all love challenges? Now, if you've loved this conversation, and why wouldn't you, and you'd think it'd be useful to one other person, be brave enough to share the conversation with that one other person. And I'm also guessing that in the 500 plus other episodes that we've published right up until now, there is at least one more in there that's equally as valuable to you as this episode. So pick your favorite number or just take a 30 second glance through the past episodes and between now and the next episode that we publish, listen to one more and then write me a note on LinkedIn about which episode you picked, why you picked it and what your biggest takeaway was, what action you took as a result. Sunir suggested that we have a conversation with Noah Kagan of OK Dork and AppSumo and Clodagh Higgins of Grow It Group on future Innova Buzz podcast episodes. So Noah and Clodag, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Sunia Shah. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode so that we can get to know you and why you listen. Also, it will help us make the podcast even better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. If you'd like a peek behind the curtain into how we put together this show, go to InnovaBuzz.co forward slash Flywheel, where you can access a free gift my team and I made for you a short audio program that walks you through the entire InnovaBuzz flywheel. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing and your podcast into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember... Be awesome and keep innovating.